This is the moment many wait for. The most entertaining. The man of wisdom. The man of experience, Dave. The most informative. To bring light to a dark subject. To bring positivity to a negative world. The incredible Paul Moyer. He's here, everybody. We look forward to it every week. A conversation with our buddy, our pal, who's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Paul Moyer is here with us. And, Paul, did Dave not sound incredibly natural during that snapshot talking about when you all are capping? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's always natural, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I tried to make it sound as uncool as possible. That's very funny. um, I, I, you you did accomplish that well. Nicely yes. done. Yes, that was very you. good. Paul, great to talk to you. There's a lot going on. we got the NFL Combine on. Are, are you somebody that I would assume you like the Combine as well? Graz used to make fun of me because I liked watching it. Dave likes watching it. But I feel like we're kind of in the minority. Where are you at with the Combine? Well, it's changed so much in that, you know, most of the big name guys now don't really work out. They're there mostly to get, you know, weighed and measured and go through the interview process. Um, but I used to enjoy it, um, partly just to see some guys who would jump out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, DK Metcalf's a great example. You know, I mean, he just he, he overwhelmed the combine and, uh, you know, it wasn't his performance necessarily leading up to that on the field. But I've always liked it. I, I used to go as a coach. And, you know, for me, it was an opportunity to get to know some of the guys that they wanted us to look at and spend time with other coaches. You know, so I probably came from a little different aspect there. But, yeah, no, I still enjoy it. Yeah. Did you, Paul, you started coaching in what, 1990? Uh, 1990 was my first official year. I did yeah. a little bit at the end of my 89 year when I got hurt. But, yeah, uh, yeah 90 was my first one. Okay. So, you know, when you go out there, you know, what kind of – were they doing interviews back then, by the way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, again, a little different in that a lot of times they would bring a guy up kind of like they do press conferences now. So you'd all be in a room. I'm not sure if they still do that. Uh, I, I heard uh, John Schneider in your show last week where – he was saying how they go through that pro well previous process where you would kind of wait to get your one-on-one with them. Yeah. And I know a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of stuff in the news, you know, you be careful of your questions, but man, it's, it's really important. Um, you know, you're about to spend a lot of money on somebody in draft capital. I know what they can do on the field, the field and watch, you know, the tape, but now you got to just make sure that they're the kind of guys you want, you know, right. work ethic. And, and, you know, you do have a series of questions that you're trying to go through. Um, I, I also believe some of the questions are driven by somewhat the fans and media. And, and the reason why I say that is, look, if you draft a guy and all of a sudden his character flaws jump out and they ask, did you not do your due diligence? due diligence on it, mm-hmm. man, they get, they get destroyed. So, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a balancing act. I got to get everything we need. We've got to do our research and, and due diligence on these guys. We got to ask some tough questions, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't ask them just anything. So, you know, it's, it's a balancing act for them. Hey, what what is your, your feeling or your take on that Jalen Carter story? I mean, it just, it's, it's, incredibly tragic first of all so you you, there's no minimizing it and we're not I'm not entirely sure what his role he obviously was present but did you know anything he did have something to do with what the end result was or well I guess well I'll find that out but if you're a scout you're out there looking or you're a GM 
Does it change your – I mean, this is a guy that was in some mock drafts was the first overall player. He's he's one of those guys who's considered the best just overall prospect in this draft. So does that change your opinion, or is it a situation where you have to wait and find you know find out what all the details are, or how do you view it? Yeah, I think, you know, in today's age, you, you got to find all the details. I mean, we can't make snap decisions anymore without getting all that information. When I first read it, and I, there's probably the same with John and some of the scouts is, okay, red flag. Um, and, you know, the, the big red flag was, why is he being arrested? Okay, he was there. Were they racing? Let's just use that assumption. They're out there racing, and if they were truly going over 100 miles an hour, Man, I've got to find out, is this a guy who makes poor decisions mm. off the field? It doesn't seem like he, he's been that kind of guy. Um, you know, was this just a, a one-off? I mean, g- g- look, I, I don't want to talk about this dumb stuff I did when I was younger, and I'm just fortunate nothing happened, you know, when you're young and with all that testosterone. But you do need to make big boy decisions and you're being coached that from the very get-go now in college and especially if you're about to be a draft pick and a high draft pick your decisions and who you hang out with matter and so yeah i've i've got to do some digging on this and i got to go deeper i I can't let that go now if it's a one-off incident and again he was racing and, and it's a tragedy what happened does that influence my decision on where i'm going to pick him um, I, I don't know if that would be the case, but uh, I definitely got to I got to dig more into this one. Well, Paul, you talked uh, a little bit about this Kalijah Cansey. He just ran a four six seven uh, forty, and I was looking at him on on film. And Bob was asking, you know, which is a good question, not a great question, but a good question <laughs> is, <laughs> is uh, you know, does he fit in the three four because he's undersized guy? But oh my gosh, his his quickness, Paul, is just. I mean, I guess you haven't seen anything like uh, like that since Aaron Donald. Oh man, he he has a high motor. Does he fit in there? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, could I put him? Does Aaron Donald fit in a three-four? Sure. Um, could I put him on the nose? He's mostly been more of a B gap player from what I was looking at. Um, but I, I think you could line him up anywhere in that situation. Um, I, I the scouts are going to know more because they're going to watch every piece of film i've watched mostly highlights of him Mm. and the explosiveness off the ball and the wiggle he has it's it's incredible um he's a bit undersized um will he fill out like aaron donald at some point probably um but he looks a bit like a a nice lean you know linebacker um but yeah i you put him next to somebody who's bigger, two guys, and let him move around a little bit. And it's all about matchups. Can I get a matchup I like, in a, particularly in a pass rush situation? Well, wow, he could be something special. And he's pretty good against the run, too, because he's so quick. He gets guys on their heels immediately. So all of a sudden, he'll come into a bull rush, and he drives people back. Uh, so he's, you know, he's pretty technically sound. And... Yeah, I, again, I, w- I would love to have him. Would I take him at the fifth spot? You know, I, I think those would probably be a, a, a bit of a reach. Um, but if you traded back just a little bit thinking you had a chance at him, yeah, he would be interesting. Hey, how much do you pay attention to mock drafts? Do you get any enjoyment out of it or any? I, I love looking at them. You know, some of them will have trades in them. Some of them will just do it as as the order sits right now. And, you know, just trying to see if there's a consistent theme. And there certainly is when it comes to the Seahawks, if they have them staying in that in that five spot, 
Tyree Wilson seems to be the name that is attached to them most often in these drafts. And he's a guy, Paul, that's not he's not going through the drills at this combine because he's got a couple of fractures in his foot. So, A, do you, do you pay attention to the mock drafts? Do you get any anything out of them? And B, any reason for concern with that? Or is, do you look at that as, all right, yeah, it stinks, but not anything to worry about moving forward? Well, I mean, any injury you worry about, particularly feet, right? I mean, you get those small bones and if they're susceptible to cracks and breaks, that's a problem. But, you know, that's what their doctors are for. Um, I like to look at the mock drafts mostly so I can go and look at somebody that's potentially they're talking about. Um, You know, that, again, that, that number five spot, it, it, that guy has to be, just a, a pretty big distance from a guy who's in the 10th or 12th spot. Um, if not, you know, again, I'm, I'm trading back on that. And so, you know, some of these guys out there where I've looked at him like this Wilson, I go, yeah, he's good. I, I, I see the upside on it. Um, I don't necessarily see the, the, the dominance right now. Again, I am not watching every one of his games. I'm watching more highlight reels, you know, Carter. I mean, there's a skill set there that is his strength. And, you know, I think once he gets to the NFL, he may have more productivity than he did in college, but, um, I like to watch the the mock drafts mainly to see how wrong they're going to be and to see guys I need to look at. Hey, Paul, just a, a question in general, the NFLPA, uh, I just how you've uh, how you've viewed the uh, the union the the players union just because I don't know it just there's kind of negativity I feel like with with them number one they think the combine is a bad idea and they want to do regional you know combines in different places because it's harder on the kids and then you know they just came out with this poll and I don't know if you saw it but it was like a poll of players and it was fairly negative you know but it was about travel um you know the uh the weight coach staff the training staff things like that and then there was some there was one other thing oh they complained about the uh, well, families how do they treat the families the facilities so yeah was, yeah so they gave grades to each of those categories from 1300 players yeah but it, but the other thing i was trying to remember was that was the lamar uh demar hamlin thing where they were oh, critical yeah. of the nfl because they took 106 minutes to cancel the next game i don't know i just I feel like they're always trying to do something that's, you know, checking the NFL, but they don't really get their teeth into it or they don't they don't really have any effective solutions. Yeah, they've always been. um, I mean, this goes back to our time, Dave. I never really trusted the NFL PA. Um, I, I think they do a lot of great things and, you know, their job is to protect and obviously be advocates for the players. So I get that part too. You know, I mean, they, they, they're doing their job, but I just never trusted them when I was playing at the time. I, I think it's much better now with the way they have, you know, some of the teams and, and committees and, you know, along the way and from a communication standpoint, but I actually didn't think that they were representing my best interests way back when I thought they were just trying to pad their pockets and I probably was right at the time, but I don't feel that way anymore. I think there's a lot more transparency along the way, but you know, perception, it can be reality. We all know that. And, you know, if they're not communicating and doing everything they need to do for their players, you know, they're going to get some negative 
push back on that too. As far as the Hamlin situation, I mean, that's just life, right? You, you can never do, please everybody. Um, and, you know, in that situation, you're trying to make split second decisions and economic as well as how is that going to impact our fans? Uh, you're never going to get that completely right. I, I that that's the one that really bothered me, Paul, was the fact they were criticizing how long it took them to make the announcement that that game was canceled. And it, again, everything you just touched on, they had to take everything into account. All right. What are we dealing with here? What's going on here? What, what's the what's the mindset of the players on each side of the field? What does this game mean to e- each team season? What is you can't just go out there and go, OK, yeah, it's bad. We're calling it. Uh, you got to take everything into consideration in, in, in the fact that they came out and said, well, it took too long to make that call. I was like, "What? Who did? It, who did that impact?" I'd rather have them. Uh, you know, how is that a negative? I would rather have them take their time and take too long rather than just you know snap judgment. No, keep playing. You know, it just it just I, it seemed a really odd thing to to criticize in light of how much celebration over a tragedy was happening about the response and the, the how everybody united and, and the fans around the world united and you know there was a lot of positive coming out of this tragedy. And they they chose that moment to complain about how much time it took to to cancel the game that night. I was like, "What are you doing? What do you read the room, man?" Yeah, no, that was. Uh, and again, I think you know, is it is it Demarius Smith? I always I think that's how I say his first name. Look, he's he's been under the gun a little bit because he may have gotten too they the perception he got too cozy and he was giving too much away to the NFL. And I again I don't agree with that. I mean there's ways to run business models and for the most part, you know, the NFL falls most of that. And I feel sometimes he's trying to play more of this you know, tough, tough guy that I can handle and protect. And so, you know, they, they criticize the NFL often. I'm like, look, that's your partner. You know, they're, they're again, would you have made a quick decision differently? You know, I would say, how would you have done that different? And it's easy to criticize, you know, anybody making tough decisions at a moment's notice. So I think for the most part, as much as the NFL gets heat, and again, I'm, I've been critical of Roger Goodell. I mean, a lot of stuff in the NFL, but I, I, it's kind of like referees and umpires. Yeah, but they get it about 90% right. Uh, it's that 10% that, you know, makes a lot of noise. But I think for the most part, they got pretty smart guys there. Yeah. Hey, uh, Paul, baseball now. And uh, I was, yes. uh, you know, uh, JP Morosi yesterday <laughs> was just amazed by hearing that I felt like I was getting cheated out of 81 hours of baseball. <laughs> You're uh, being serious with me right now? Yes, I am. <laughs> you You really are. <laughs> okay, there's JP. Yeah, he was he was amazed that uh yeah, that I was I, I don't know. It was just early on. It was too quick of a pace. Brock Heward, we he called in cuz Brock and Salk are down there uh right now down in Peoria doing their show from there. He said it's not as as uh, pronounced in person as opposed to watching it on TV. What what were your impressions of watching the new sped up version? I think I did hear when Brock said that, um, and I kind of giggled because I go, so it's time is different in person than when you watch it live on TV. Um, The first game I saw when uh, I think it was the second game when Marco pitched, I thought it was too fast. 
I, I it just felt rushed. Uh, you know, a batter, if you got a bad strike at all, I mean, you really, you don't have much time to gather your composure. You got to get right back in that box and the pitcher, same thing. Now, you know, if he waits, you know, until the last second for him to get in the box, what's he down to about 12 seconds to throw the ball? I mean, you just, it just, I would like them to have moved it about five seconds more, but then I watched yesterday's game and now I think this is the third one I've seen. Yeah, I'm starting to get used to it. Um, you, you just you don't take your eye off the the screen that much anymore. You know, it used to be, oh, there's a pitch. I can go actually do something. I'm gonna go to the refrigerator and and grab a, a bite to eat or something. No, nah, not anymore. Yeah. You know, that ball is right back in play. And I think I think it is going to be good. I hope though that they look at it, you know, three months into it or the the All Star break and say all right, this would be, maybe we need to add a couple more seconds. Um, and at least, you know, don't be so rigid in that because it does, it's affecting a lot of them, but I think they're going to figure it out. And I think the fans eventually are going to like it. I like it. <laughs> to me, it's, I think it's great. I think I, and I'm more old school generally when it comes to changes to baseball, but I, I think it's great. And, and I could see them adjusting it if they want to toward the end of the se- at the end of the season and saying, all right, we're going to, Give them twenty seconds with no, with nobody on and twenty five with somebody on something like that. But yeah, so far the bases have had no impact that I can see. It's only a handful of games that we've been able to watch. But you've seen the shift come into play a few times where you you could look at the ball and go, "Yep, that would have been an out last year." And it's a base yep. hit. So I I don't know. I think I think you know for anybody that looked at the game as slow and boring, does it change their mind? Maybe maybe not much, but. You know this this trends in the right way to to bring in the young fan, which is what they're trying to appeal to. Well, it definitely has more of a basketball pace to it, where you know you're going to be home in two two and a half hours. You know the NFL, you know you're it's going to be a three hour game. You know, I mean that's they've built that into it, and so th- this is. You know, baseball's slower. It's a pastime. You talk in between pitches and stuff. You know, I think as a fan, I go to a game. Am I going to be talking as much, you know, to those who I go to the game with? And more and more important, Bob, you probably actually have some good shows on Netflix or something you like to watch it late at night. For me, I need the Mariners to take me right to sleep. <laughs> I got to go to bed. And so now I'm thinking game ends at uh, they do a 6-10 game, which I hope they do those. Um, but mainly I wanted the 6-10 games because they the games are getting over at 10 o'clock, 10.30. That's too late for me. Um, but I may have to I may have to figure out something what to do afterwards. I'm actually going to have time to say, wow, I've got to go upstairs and actually get ready for bed rather than get ready for bed in the seventh inning. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny also, Paul, Jeez. that I'm being selfish uh, uh, because we heard from Julio and he's like, hey, we're going to be able to get on the plane a half an hour earlier to for a getaway game and we'll get home earlier. And so it seems like for the players, it'll be, you know, less standing around or as JP, JP put it, uh, less waiting. Yeah. So, but it is, it, it, not- how often do you hear Paul and Dave infielders and outfielders talk about yeah, when you've got a pitcher who's really deliberate and it's sometimes you, you, you feel it out there and you lose focus and yeah. versus a guy who's getting the ball, throwing it, getting the ball, throwing like it. it. All your infielders, your outfielders, they're all on their toes. They're engaged. They're ready. Yeah. I, w- I would think it, this serves them as well, that they, they would like it, like the pace. 
Oh, I, I for sure. An outfielder. I mean, I played center field in high school and stuff. Yeah, there's nothing worse than standing around, you know, with a slow pitcher and a, 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 a long inning along the way. But I'll tell you how much it's changed because way back when, back in the early 2000s when they went on that run, I used to do the Mariner postgame shows on, uh, on 710. And I rarely got home before 12:30 a.m. Wow. Uh, almost all of the post-game shows went till you know midnight, and and the reason why the games always ended around 10:30, sometimes 11 o'clock at night, and at that point you had to carry the thing for at least an hour, and if the game ended after 10:30, I had to take it to uh, midnight. But then, and you know, the locker room, you know, the the players were there till 11:30, mm-hmm. you know, midnight afterwards, getting you know, treatment or whatever they were doing. And and you're right, man. I mean, now if you start a game at six ten, and the game's two and a half hours, I mean, these guys are home by 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, Paul, it was just, game. you were talking too much in your post game <laughs> analysis. Maybe that was it. No, it wasn't. Trust me. <laughs> I, they, I, they had all the Latino names and I was butchering them. I mean, just <laughs> horribly uh, until I really got into the groove of it. But no, it was, but they were just, they, they were some long, long nights. Well, and be honest, you were laying there in bed after the game going, how is it possible that Bob Stelton beats me in the hydro picks every single game? <laughs> <laughs> drove, drove, me, drove me crazy. Better way, I want my $50 back from all those bets. Uh, I'm glad yeah, you, get, you get interest on that, too, yeah. over the years, Paul. No, I, I told we never put money on it. That would, that would take it too far. But it, that was fun. That was fun. Paul, we, we love you, man. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for having me on. Have a great night. Thanks, Paul. There you go. There's Paul Moyer with us every week. Uh, if you missed any of that conversation with Paul or any anything from the show, you can find it on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Coming up, we've talked about the pitch clock, but there's another rule change that's already having a big impact in spring training. We'll talk about that. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to Paul Moyer, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you guys just tuned in, that conversation will be available on the podcast page for you after the show at seattlesports.com. Meanwhile, uh, we talked about the pitch clock and the impact it's had on the games, the pace of the games, the length of the games, the action. The shift is already having an impact. I sent you guys a story last night, and it's talking about uh, an uptick in batting averages and runs scored so far. And again, i got to throw out the disclaimer. I get it's just spring. There's, they haven't played a ton of games yet. But to this point, they said uh, in the article, runs and batting average were both up through the first wave of games compared to spring training a year ago. Players were hitting 272 through February uh, 28th with an average of 11.9 runs scored. That's up from uh, 259 and 10.6 runs scored through the same period in 2022. Hmm. So you're you're seeing the uptick in offense. It's uh, it doesn't, and they talk about how it's not affecting the pace of the game or anything, and you know because of the pitch clock and the average game times uh, are through the 28th of February are two hours and 39 minutes. That's down from three hours and one minute over the same stretch last year. So you're getting more runs scored. Guys are coming up with more base hits. The average has gone up, and the time of the game is about a half an hour less, a little over a half an hour less. Yeah, I mean, or under, excuse me, under a half hour less. Yeah, the shift is, well, we had one of those games, Mike. I think 
Was, wasn't one of the games like two hours and 16 or 19 minutes or something? I thought the the longest one at one point, the first three games was two hours and 29 minutes. Yeah, the first four were all like under 230. Yeah. I think one just bumped up to like 235, but none close what a marathon. to the three-hour mark. But I, I just wonder if maybe it's it's going to settle, you know, because there's no there's no clock on when teams, you know, take the field, right? I mean, that kind of stuff. Uh do they have? Do they? They don't put the pitcher or the team. You're talking on the about clock. in between. Yeah, the yeah half in between innings, innings when yeah, you're shifting two minutes. Oh, yeah, it's two, two minutes. Two fifteen. Yeah. Okay. And they said uh, how they enforced it on that rules call. So it's pretty well, interesting. It, and earlier, I was wondering about like if you're going to argue balls and strikes. I mean, that's what are you going to do? You're going to have to get in there, make up, you know, make eye contact with the pitcher, and then I guess yell at the umpire while you're in the box. I mean, maybe it'll eliminate that. Maybe the umpires love that part, right? But yeah, I just I, I felt like though the you know the whole shift thing. I feel like that's the right way to change it. It's some it's something that's happening. It's making the the game you know subtly in a subtle way more interesting and more yeah. fun and more, more actions. But you know it doesn't really you know it doesn't really affect you. I, I think most people there if somebody comes to baseball, they're not going to you know, know what's going on They're If they're new to watching the game, mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, well there's the, there, there they are out, you know, the second baseman's over on the, the first base side and yeah, it's all, it's all good. So I, I, I like that part of it. That part of it. I, I really do. I just, I just feel like it's a little bit hurried, but this is working out really well based on these, you know, like you yeah. said, it's early, but yeah, it's working out really well. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think that's what you wanted to see. There's nothing, particularly interesting about hitting a ball to shallow right field and there's the second baseman fielding it where otherwise it'd be a hit now for the longest time I've been sort of conflicted with that because there's that part of me going I don't know how many times I could tell you I've seen the pitcher throw the ball low and away and see the guy the left-hander up there trying to pull it he's rolling over on the ball rather than going the other way with it and I know John Stan said well or Jerry one of them said it to me well you get in there and face 95 and See if you can hit it the other way. I'm like, well, I'm also not a premier baseball talent like these guys well, are. They can go the other way with the ball. Well, They're capable. How come they didn't, though? I think there's a stubborn. I think there's an approach. They go up there, I'm going to hit this ball hard. Yeah. I'm going to hit this ball hard, and I'm going to hit it through the shift. Because I can see Stanton, um, you know, saying that, you know, oh, you go and, and try. I mean, your point is well taken. I mean, you're not a professional baseball player. Yeah, not and, anymore. But, <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like there was enough time there that they, you know, that would have been taught. Mm-hmm. And it's not have anything to do with your, you know, your feelings or how you want to hit the ball. It's got to be, you know, like, hey, look, we're doing this and you need to get up there and do it. I feel like if they if they could have, they would have. Yeah. And I'm not I think it's easier for them. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. But guys at that level are more than capable of going the other way with the pitch. Yeah. To take a pitch that's outside, take it low and away, and hit and go opposite field with it. They have that that skill set. A well, lot of them, you saw stubbornness. There were absolutely hitters you could see that were they would go up there and they are trying to just square it up, which is, yeah, you want to make good contact, hit the ball hard, and thinking I'm going to hit it either over the fence or through this shift. But you, you'd see them try to pull that ball that's off the plate away and they'd end up rolling over on it, or, you know, there's, again, the second baseman in short right field, and it turns into an out. Yeah, I, but but if they were able to consistently and effectively hit it opposite field, there's, I mean, you'd, you'd get fired if you didn't do that. 
Yeah, yeah. I just felt like it was, it was too hard. Then, you know, the pitcher's obviously pitching, um, you know, in, in certain areas where he can't, where yeah. you can't, you know, take it over there. But, yeah, I, I mean, and so the shift thing, at first I remember thinking, oh, this is ridiculous. You should be able to do whatever you want mm-hmm. as far as your defensive strategy. But, you know, you see what, uh, for the good of the game, it's uh, it's working out. And I haven't seen anybody, you know, try to run over to the other side. Remember we were talking about, you know, you have to have your – Feet, you have to be on the yeah, dirt. On either side of second base. Right. And they and, still can if they want. If they wanted to bring an outfielder all the way, if you want to, you know, lefties up there, okay, you want to, if you want to take your left fielder and bring them all the way over to short right field, you can do that. Yeah. But you're you're leaving that entire side of the field open, the yeah. outfield, which maybe, maybe we see somebody chance it, you know, hey, this guy, we've never seen him go opposite field. So let's just, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hit it. We're going to bust him up and in. We're not going to give him anything to take that direction and pitcher pitches accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see that it's having an impact so far, which is great. Again, I don't think anybody really marveled at the the ground ball to short right field and being thrown out at first. There was nothing appealing about that. And it oftentimes would be frustrating. So it looks more conventional now, but there was that part of me was like, well, you should – I was on that side that you just brought up. Yeah, you should adjust. This is the chess game. They made their move. They're going to shift. All right, you figure out how to make them pay for that. Mm-hmm. And it just – it never – some guys would do it. You see some guys fake the bunt. Some guys would bunt, what what have you. But for the most part, it wasn't nearly as punitive as you felt like it could have been or should have been. And now, now it's being legislated. Now you can't do it. Yeah. Well, I'm in the camp that they tried. And they're just it's just too difficult. It's too hard. Because if you could get freebies and punish them for the shift, I think we would have seen a lot more of that. But anyway, either way, I, I, I like the way that thing came down. And I'm more excited about that than anything. Yeah. Like I said, I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, the pitch clock doesn't exactly blow my skirt up, okay? Yeah. But, I, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's going way too fast. But, you know, I, and this You'll is, get used to it. it's my own selfish, yeah. you know, uh, thing because, you know, I think it's a nice leisurely activity. You go and, like you said, now you're not going to be able to take your, your eyes off the field no. at any point. No. And then we're going to miss out on some Rick Riz stories. He's going to have to <laughs> fill, you know – He's going to have to sort of adjust and, you know, try to maybe tell him a little bit faster, you know, because like we'll hear Goldsmith go, you know, start a story and then and that pitches inside for ball two and then yeah, go back to the story. the story. Yeah. So that's just going to have to happen a little bit faster. All right. Coming up, Aaron Rodgers is out of the darkness and weighs in on his future. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Text line is there for you. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. You guys can text in on whatever you'd like. Whatever you'd like. You got opinions, people agreeing, disagreeing, whatever it is. It's all there for you. Just, you know, be nice. Hey, uh, yeah. Um, also, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, you don't have to be nice if you don't want. No, you can be a jerk. Yeah, Go but ahead. if you're going to be a jerk, at least be creative with be it. Be funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the perfect one on Friday was Jen from Beaverton saying that there should be a pitch <laughs> clock on Wyman's stories. <laughs> that was very good. So fantastic. That was a solid that's, shot. That's good. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, but, yeah, this is a uh, shout out to Rob from American Samoa. Yeah. Yeah, he's Which, been texting in for a long time. 
Yeah, he's he's a he's a, a longtime listener and uh, always always very active on the text. Yeah, you regular texters, I wouldn't know how to do this, but you should put your name there. Is there a way that you can send it in and it? Yeah, we we're the you? ones that put their name. Like if they sign it, you know, they send in a text. All we normally see is your phone number. But if you sign your name, then we can edit and it'll say Jan and Beaverton or Rob right. in American Samoa. But it happens automatically, right? We have to type it in physically. Type it in. They have to send it in at the end of their text, whatever they're saying, and put your name so we know who it is, and then we enter it. Oh, so how does it show up in the box thing there with their we name enter it. on it? Who? Like I can. If somebody send, send in a text, somebody put your name on it if you haven't done it before, and I'll show you. I'm saving this conversation for the Radio Hall of Fame, by Mike, the way. Am, hey, Mike, am I making sense? We're getting here? a Marconi. You know the award for uh, But it automatically like, shows it, up. It will Jen after I enter it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that was my question. Yeah. So somebody typed Who's on first. Somebody typed in <laughs> Jen in Beaverton, and then it, as she texts in after that, it it pops up that way. Bob and I planned that conversation because <laughs> I bet Bob that we could frustrate the listeners. Well, I think we're frustrating Thumb. He's back there going, "What the hell are you talking about?" Uh, I, yeah, I bet Bob five dollars <laughs> that I would be able to make frustrate the listeners. Yeah, you know, there's well, a scene in Billy Madison that uh, comes to mind after hearing this conversation. Oh, see. Yeah. We're all dumber for having listened to oh, it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, speaking of dumb, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, he's a brilliant man. Just ask him. Uh, he was on a podcast with Aubrey Marcus. Now, who is, do we know who that is? Um, he is a like wellness yoga guru. We probably don't even want to know who he is. Holistic okay. healer. Okay. Really? Someone perfectly right. in line with what Aaron Rodgers I've never heard his name prior to this. I didn't know if well, he that was. that would make sense. All right. You don't need no holistic healing, do you? Uh, not as of yet. Not that I'm aware of, but I'll seek him out should I find that need. Yeah, he's got his own website and whatnot, Bob. He could probably help you out. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Aaron was talking to him now that he's emerged from his, his he saw his shadow. So winter's going to last for six more weeks, according to Aaron Rodgers. And he talked about making that decision about playing, and he says he's going to make that decision soon. It's a very, uh, there's a finality to the decision, mm -hmm. and I don't make it lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. Look, I'm answering questions about it because I get asked about it. Um, I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it and you think it's drama, you think I'm being a diva or whatever, then just tune it out. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But this is my life. It's important to me, and I'll make a decision soon enough, and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. I think, <laughs> as he's trailing off there, I'm going to be really excited about it. I know, is he it. dozing off? <laughs> Super God. excited. Well, yeah, it, it's kind of I, – I thought that was somewhat amusing, just in a very – it was fairly unemotional. Very matter-of-fact. Yeah, I was like, just tune it out. You yeah, know? Don't listen. <laughs> and he's right, that part. Yeah. But we, we purposely tune in to listen oh, to yeah. be annoyed. Yeah. that's And to, to make fun of him. Yeah, so super excited. It's about great it. radio. I know that was I'm fired very up. strange. Really? Well, and the the interviewer there, the podcaster, he was also doing the hmm, hmm, mm -hmm. oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so people were giving Brock a hard time about it. <laughs> yeah. I do the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's a that's a thing. Like, it's that's how you know you're like somebody's very sophisticated interviewer. Bob. Yeah, they yeah. grunt. You're agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, one more from Aaron talking about just picturing what it would look like to be retired. And it kind of came to me like today you are going to experience your life uh, in the present and in the near future and in the long term future. 
that you are retired. So today you are retired. What does that look like? What does that feel like? I think there were a lot of, uh, you know, amazing things that came through. And, and I had to work through a lot too. You know, when you've played as long as I have, I think we are, there's something inside us that wants to say, you know, I'm going to be totally fine when I'm done playing. I got nothing left to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've accomplished a ton in this sport, but sitting in the darkness with your thoughts, you got a good 12, 11, 12 hours to like just think in the quiet, just you and your thoughts. And a lot of insecurity and fear came up around what retirement looks like. Mm. Sounds like he didn't want to retire anytime soon. I think that'd be hard to do what he did. Yeah. I I, I think it'd be hard to stay awake. I think I'd probably just fall asleep. Because you're not reading. You're not watching TV. You don't have lights on. You are literally sitting in the dark. And I could imagine doing that for a little bit. You got your thoughts and you're you're being introspective and doing whatever it is you do. But at at some point, aren't you just like, all right, well, now what? Yeah, I I guess I'll take a nap. I don't know. It's sort of intriguing, though, right? I mean, like if you were to to discipline yourself to do that, you know, I I had this conversation with my daughter-in-law the other day that, you know, like we're clashing with technology now. I mean, 200 years ago, 250 years ago. I mean, there was fire. Okay, (laughs) but I mean, but I mean, when the sun goes down, you go to bed. Yeah. You know, there there's no TV, there's no computer, there's no all these distractions and all these, you know, all this light coming in to your you know, your your eyeballs and your brain and yeah, it's just it's very so I you know, sitting in the darkness, I thought, man, maybe that is therapeutic, especially today where I mean, Bob, we see people walking around the uh, the newsroom here looking at their phone while they walk. 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> They're never not looking at their phone, and I want them to run into something. You know, I have to say that, like, my wife and I, you know, fall prey to that sometimes where I'm sitting there, you know, on my phone. But there's lots of times if you forget your phone at home, then I think that's somewhat healthy. Yeah, but it is a panic feeling because I've is. done it a number of times and turned around and gone home. I took apart my bed the other day. <laughs> and by the way, the day of the, the trade, Russell Wilson trade, March 8th last year, I put my phone in my son's bathroom, which we don't use because he doesn't live at home. And I tore apart my house looking for my phone. It just happened the other day. So note to self, check Jake's bathroom before you. (laughs) I tore my entire bed. uh, And there it is sitting on the counter. And it was just sitting in there on the counter. But, yeah, I mean, it's a panicky feeling. I'm like, I got to call, you know, Bob and Mike and tell them I, I can't find my phone, you know. Yeah, we're tethered. We're tethered to it. Yeah. Couldn't you just have Shannon call it and then you would hear it? That's what we we're trying. But oh, yeah, I think I had silent ringer on. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's, you know, we we goof on him because he's just he's a little different and 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 whatever. But there probably is some value to doing that. It's just I'm sort of intrigued at at where you are mentally. Like, do you at some point have no idea what time it is? Like, is it morning? Is it night? Is it? Yeah. You know, if you fall asleep, you wake up, it's still dark. You have no concept of time. Yeah, you have no idea if it's you slept one hour or yeah. 10 hours. Or... Yeah, that would be that would be an odd thing, you know, and I guess he's having – did he have food delivered to him? Is that how he was eating? 
So maybe that's his only exposure to daylight or something when he opens the door. Or maybe he put like a mask on and then just, you know, <laughs> so that way they delivered the food to us. Uh, very interesting. So we'll see what he does. Does he does he elect to collect on his $60 million he's got coming to him next year? Or does he say, you know, I've already got so much money that that won't make a difference in my life. Can you imagine having that kind of money? Wow. You're going, yeah, it doesn't alter my life one way or the other. But we'll see what he does. All right. Coming up, it is Thursday, which means it's time for the John Schneider Show. He's going to join us from the NFL Combine. That is coming your way next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.